Welcome to the Advance Born Global podcast. I'm Johanna Pittman, CEO of Advance, the non-profit organisation that shines a spotlight on the impact of outstanding global Australians. In this podcast series, we meet all 34 game changers recognised in the 2022 Global Australian Awards. These inspiring game changers generously share the story of their international career journey with us, the highlights and challenges, and what motivates them in their work. I hope you enjoy getting to know these inspiring game changers. In this episode, you'll meet Dr. Martin Senevaratna, who was awarded the Emerging Leader Award in the 2022 Global Australian Awards. This award recognises individuals early in their career and their potential for significant impact. I was struck by the tough choices that Martin has made to get where he is today, specifically the choice to go into technology and health informatics after training and working as a doctor. I hope you feel inspired and encouraged by this conversation, particularly if you have ever considered a career pivot. Joining me on this interview is Kathy Campbell, the producer of the Global Australian Awards. If you were, let's say, speaking to a high school audience, how would you describe what you do and what your day-to-day looks like? So I've taken a very unusual path in some ways. Uh, Currently, I work as a a doctor in a big tech organisation, Google, um, where um, we are trying... You know, myself and, and our team, we are, are working on the applications of artificial intelligence, AI, to healthcare um, to try and make, you know, healthcare more efficient and accessible and high quality um, around the world. So my day to day involves um, kind of working with research partners in mostly in the US and in India at the moment, um, where we trying to analyze health data and develop new methods to, um, for example, predict patient outcomes or, you know, uh, clean and structure and um, organize information in a way that makes it easier for clinicians to digest it. Um, But not everything is AI. I think one of the realizations has been that apart from AI, we also need the the pipes to be connected under the hood. You need to collect data in a clean way and create user experiences for the patient and for the clinician that uh, um, you know uh, uh, meet the bar of what we expect for modern technology. And so, you know, AI is part of what I do. But on the side of that, and in parallel to that, we also work on systems that try and make it easier for. Um, clinicians to just visualize the health data that they have and for patients to keep a record of their health data with them and carry it you know along their health journeys so it's sort of a combination of um, sort of basic digital health tools and then more future-facing sort of AI research of you know what we might be able to get towards uh, can you give us an idea of a day in the life of Martin at, at work? And, you know, I know every day is different, but what, what might it look like for you? Yeah, one of the things that really attracted me to this unusual path is that there's a lot of diversity day to day. 
uh, in terms of the people who you work with and even sort of where where you work. So I've just come back from 10 days in, in India where um, we were doing some field visits out to kind of rural clinics in the middle of you know, in the middle of rural Tamil Nadu, one of the states in southern India, to try and understand, hey, there are these community health workers who, um, you know, tens of thousands of community health workers who form a really critical part of the primary care sort of infrastructure of India, but they're using paper for the most part, uh, and it makes it very difficult for the Ministry of Health to kind of get a sense of what's going on. So, you know, we're there out in the field trying to understand, hey, how could technology actually help these community health workers and make it easier for everyone from from them to the patient to the Ministry of Health to kind of see data more clearly. Um, And, you know, then skip forward, you know, from a field in India, you know, today I've been in in meetings with research groups in sort of very high-resource hospital networks to try and think about, you know, what is the latest, greatest AI that they could use in their health systems. Uh, And the hope is that the two can kind of feed one another, you know, some of the learnings that we can develop in where the data is already there and really rich can help to sort of create leapfrog opportunities for low and middle income health settings. Um, And so, yeah, back to the original question of what's a day in the life of, I think it involves a mixture of, you know, going out into the field, be that a, r- a rural village or a health system to kind of speak to clinicians and understand their problems. Um, working in an office, you know, um, analyzing data, writing papers, um, interpreting results, uh, and then, you know, really sort of working across a, a very diverse sort of cross-functional team that includes product managers and clinicians and um research scientists and, and, and so forth to try and, you know, figure out how we can bring these two different worlds of, of healthcare and technology a bit closer together. Wow, that's um, really helpful, um, diverse range of, of what your role covers. Uh, when you think back to, let's say, high school, university, you're studying earnestly to be a doctor, where, where did you think you would be at this point in your life and, and how did it come that you... Um, detoured off to AI and did your master's at Stanford. Can you talk us through that, please? Yeah, so I'm, I'm a Sydney boy. I, I grew up in, in Sydney. And, you know, when I started, or when I was, you know, in high school and starting university, I couldn't have imagined this as a career because it didn't really exist as, as a career. Um, and so it yeah, just like everyone says, it's sort of one thing led led to another. But I'd always had an interest in sort of intersectional uh, careers. I think that's where you can have a lot of creativity, where two fields butt up against one another. And you know, I was studying medicine and in the in the hospital. And one area that was really a glaring blind spot was around software and, and technology in the hospital, right? As a, as a medical student and later as a junior doctor, the systems that we were using, many of them were still paper-based. Um, the, the electronic systems that we did had have kept, you know, had some very obvious shortcomings. Uh, I remember this story of um, a patient who'd come down to Sydney from sort of the, the, the central coast and 
he had forgotten his his x-rays or his CTs from his his previous hospital and it ended up being easier for him to drive the three hours back up the coast three hours there and three hours back to kind of pick up a CD of his original images rather than to get them sort of transferred down to to Sydney where we were and that caused all sorts of other delays and had a domino effect on his care and you know such a simple thing that data doesn't flow easily and is fragmented got me got me frustrated and got me more and more interested in this world of digital health um, so I started doing some you know research projects initially with with the university and some research organizations tied to the hospital um, later I worked a bit with the Australian Digital Health Agency um, this government agency that was sort of trying to roll out the my health record and kind of establish a better longitudinal health record across the system uh, then worked at a startup for a little while and and all of those things in in Sydney sort of made me want to get a bit more the formal training in this new field of health informatics and digital health um, and that was what took me to Stanford so I was supported by this great Australian scholarship uh, organization the John Monash scholarship um, to go to the US for a couple of years to to study this this uh, health informatics field and then that eventually led me on to uh, my current role at Google. Fantastic. And uh, when you think about your day-to-day, can you help us understand some of the challenges, the things that you're, you're battling on a day-to-day basis to, to achieve your goals? Yeah, I think there is a, a lot of hype around AI in every field, but especially in medicine, you know, there are articles like, you know, the AI doctor will see you now and AI will replace doctors and things like that. And I think that uh, that becomes a, a big challenge for the whole field because it starts to obscure some of the real benefits of AI. And, you know, the reality of it is that AI won't replace doctors. It'll be doctors plus AI will replace doctors who don't use it at all. Um, you know, AI can be a tool just like an MRI that can be interpreted and harnessed by the medical community, but doesn't need to, well, and can't really re- replace them. Um, if anything, it should create more time and space for clinicians to you know, do what clinicians are best at, which is speak to the patient and empathize as fellow humans, you know, with, with the patient sitting in front of you. And so I think we as sort of AI practitioners, and I include all of the, you know, a lot of clinicians in this group because it's becoming a a larger and larger field. Um, I think we struggle against this sort of this tension of, you know, how, how does AI actually integrate into the medical establishment in a way that is, is helpful and, and that works and that doesn't, you know, end up creating more work or creating fears of replacement. Um, that's a big challenge. And, and there remains this big implementation gap, uh, you know, despite all of the promises of AI and more and more papers being published in this space, actually very few systems uh, are used routinely in clinical care. So um, that, that's something we face, uh, a big challenge we face. And another sort of related one that's gotten a lot of attention recently is this issue of bias uh, in in AI systems, um, this can often be really hard to detect. But if we train AI systems on historical health data, 
that is riddled with all of these historical prejudices around, you know, gender discrimination or ethnic discrimination or other things, then the AI systems invariably start to, you know, repeat those same biases and 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 recreate some of the problems that we're trying to help fix in healthcare. And so creating ways to, you know, analyze those those biases and mitigate against them in AI systems is becoming really, really important. Uh, and actually there are a lot of you know, some of the top experts in, in this space are, are, are coming out of Australia at the moment. So we're learning a lot from academics um, back home. Oh, that's great to hear and, and love to learn more about that. Um, one of the, you know, Cathy uh, would have mentioned that you're a finalist in the Emerging Leader category. And we created this category a couple of years ago because we realised that, you know, as we look at global Australians around the world, it's very easy to, to um, select those that are really at the pinnacle of their career, but we thought that more um, benefit could be added to, the, to, to people's career journey if we recognise them as they're, as they're um, growing and into their roles. For you, what, what is, um, what's, the ne- what's next for you? There's obviously you're achieving lots in this role and, and, there's a, and there are challenges to be addressed here and there are great um, sort of big meaty uh, topics that you're, you're looking at at the moment, but where do you see yourself going from here after this role? Yeah, I, I mean, what got me interested in this space to begin with was this kind of core problem that I mentioned around health data being uh, siloed and fragmented and messy. And I think a, a, a lot of, you know, good quality care is actually about organizing information in a, in a clean way and making sure that the right information is with the right person at the right time. You know, mistakes happen when the, the clinicians just don't have access to the right records or they're buried in, you know, reams and reams of notes and other things. And so I, I'm still very interested in that problem because it's an unsolved problem. And although AI can be a part of that solution, I, I think actually the sort of foundational problem is is around digital health system design, making sure that data is collected in the right way in the first place and that clinicians and, and patients sort of understand the importance of data quality and, and, and the value that can be generated from the data long term. You know, um, small countries like Estonia have ended up becoming leaders in this space because they have established this, you know, layer of digitization across the health system that means they collect really good quality data uh, and they can, you know, start to turn this flywheel of a learning health system where you collect data that you use to improve the quality of care and then you collect more and more data sort of along the way. And, you know, long story short, I mean, I think my my long-term vision and career goal is to kind of come back to Australia and try and help establish or continue to build upon the you know, learning health system and sort of digital health infrastructure that we have in, in Australia. I think actually Australia is in a very unique position because it has such a sort of advanced health system and it can be, you know, a sandbox in some ways for 
especially in the Asia-Pac region, but even more globally for what can be done in terms of really high quality digital health system design. You know, the US has faced all sorts of political challenges with this sort of the, this, this digitization that's happened in their healthcare system. And there are all sorts of other perverse incentives around, you know, just sort of the commercials of their healthcare system. Um, a lot of other large countries, you know, are, have these longstanding fragmentations in their health systems that make it very difficult to go through this journey. But I think Australia is in this sweet spot where, you know, we have a relatively small population in the scheme of things, but a, a, all of the ingredients to actually make this happen and to be the world's best kind of digitized learning health system. So that's long-term sort of what I want to do. And, and I, you know, I, I don't pretend to, to say like, I am the one to do it. There are a lot of people in Australia who have been working on this for decades and are already laying the groundwork for this. Um, but, you know, hopefully myself and a, and a bunch of other international sort of digital health people, um, you know, are going to come home and, and continue the journey. Oh, that 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 is a fantastic um, aspiration for Australia. And, um, yeah, certainly something that you would have you yeah you you think that we are in that sweet spot that should be able to achieve that um i wanted to let you know martin that um this i mentioned the emerging leader category is one that's uh, relatively new and um it's been fantastic because so many um sort of people earlier in their career have been recognized here and the judges um, have really valued seeing this um, trajectory of growth and um, it's been really competitive category but I wanted to let you know that you they selected you as the winner of this award oh my goodness wow <laughs> thank you that's not what I was expecting you to say <laughs> Thank you very much. That's like a humongous honour. Yeah, we're, we're delighted to share that news with you. And um, it's in, in many parts, the, that transition, and you talked about intersectionality of, of careers, that transition and, and really sort of taking excellence in one area and going into another. And that's um, really quite inspirational uh, for many people. So uh, yeah, really keen to celebrate that and, and, and show what you've been able to do with your career. Um, what does it mean to you to be recognized from Australia for, for what you've been doing? Well, yeah, I mean, what a huge honor. I was not expecting that. That is, yeah, I'm really, speechless i mean that's uh, yeah a, a, a huge honor i mean i uh all i can say is that it's a it's a real vote of of confidence like it you know there was a time when i was uh first considering kind of stepping off the conveyor belt of medical training and it's it's not one that maybe many people step off and it was really daunting i guess to um, you know, start afresh in a new field and, and move countries and try and rebuild a network uh, outside of my comfort zone. And many people told me, you know, don't do it. <laughs> a lot of people were, were very supportive, but it, it was like a very hard time. Um, and so, again, this is like beginning of the journey in a lot of ways, but to be 
validated in this way and get this recognition is 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 a great vote of confidence and i i think um yeah i hope i hope a lot of other digital health doctors or sort of people who've taken more create uh, creative careers in in medicine um can can sort of take um you know get get a boost from this as well because you don't you don't necessarily have to stay on the conveyor belt you can do other things different parts up the mountain yeah i imagine that was really really um you know there would have been a few naysayers when you when you stepped off that conveyor belt um i i i have one last question but before i go to that one kathy is there anything you'd like to cover with martin here i i do have one question i'm very interested in um maybe if you can tell us about a specific highlight because your role it just feels like you're it's you're at the cutting edge all the time like the challenges are are, are huge and varied I'd love to know is there a specific example of a highlight where you go oh my gosh like we've that's an aha we've that's a big moment yeah I think you know over COVID over this sort of last couple of years it has been of all of the sort of horrible things and challenges that have come with that. One of the silver linings has been that it's presented an opportunity for digital health to sort of come to, um, to sort of show its worth and to have some impact on the community. So one of the projects that I was involved in for a little while was this exposure notifications project um, where you know, Google and Apple in this case were collaborating with public health authorities around the world to try and make it easier for them to uh, essentially in a, in a, in a security privacy preserving way, um, trace when people were in close contact and could get the exposure notification pings. Um, and that was a really amazing example where sort of the forces were mustered really quickly to create a tool that was put into the hands of public health authorities that could configure in a way that suited different geographies. Um, and which, you know, there, there are papers that have been written by academic groups sort of after the fact around how that could have potentially prevented, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of COVID cases because people were kind of alerted and knew to self-isolate. Um, and so, you know, I always speak, especially when encouraging people toward digital health around the potential for scale in, in this field, you know, you sacrifice in some ways the direct one-to-one um, patient connection that that you get. And, and there are many evenings where you feel Ugh, like, what on earth like did I do today? How did that impact someone for real? But I think this was one of these glimpses where, you know, a digital tool can actually have widespread impact um, and can can affect a lot of people in a small way, but at, at, at scale. Uh, and I think that's really the power of digital health. Absolutely. Um, I, I was uh, became familiar with that. I was in the US just a couple of weeks ago and, and um, I, I recall it. I'll have to show Kathy on my phone. But um, yeah, that, that was quite um, 
I, I didn't know it existed and obviously we didn't use that that system in Australia. We used the check-in system as, instead, which I'm sure you were just thinking, oh my God, it's so antiquated compared to using exposure notifications. But um, yeah, that that's fantastic to know that was one of those collaborative efforts that was um, worked on. You mentioned about individuals um, and going into digital health, but more generally, if you were, let's say, again, with a high school audience, people that have a passion for health and medicine and um, data and, and, you know, what advice would you give to someone early in their career um, based on what you've experienced? Yeah, I, I would say try and find opportunities where you can be creative um in a lot of the more traditional careers i think you can be encouraged to um you know there's this hierarchical nature of them of sort of do your time or or stay on the 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 well-trodden path um and then you know at the end of the career of, of your career you'll sort of reap the rewards and you know i'm all for like honing down on, on, on a particular craft. But I think, you know, sometimes those hierarchical traditional careers can can strip people of opportunities for creativity in their, in their most creative years, you know, when they're young and their creative juices are flowing. And so I, um, you know, many of the people I, I speak to who are interested in, in digital health, ultimately the, like the kernel of that interest is actually I want a way to, express my creativity um and there are many different ways to do that you can definitely do that from within the system the medical system in this case is a kind of entrepreneur uh, but sometimes it takes stepping out of that system for a little while um and putting yourself in a totally different environment to give you the the headspace to be creative um and so what you know whatever works for for you but i think as a a broad principle trying to create space in your career for creativity um is is really important be that travel be that just taking some time away uh, be that having a career pivot at some stage um i think that's where exciting things happen and you can sort of add you know 10x value to to some particular problem thank you for listening to this episode for more on global australian game changes over the last decade please go to our website advance.org.